passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. I am Jeff Ponce, your host, and as always, I'm with my co-host, Dylan White, the master of the Robo Scout, the master of the North, the king of the North. That's you. It's not Tyler O'Neill any longer. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. I, I actually want to correct. I think Robo Scout's my master. So, oh, just want to clarify that that. Uh... That little bit of information. No, I'm doing all right. I'm I'm watching uh, the Jays finally looking like they're going to beat the Orioles. Game three of the four game set after getting crushed yesterday in game two and losing the first one as well. Um, so gaining back some dignity with a with a win. It looks like it's four one in the ninth as we speak. I haven't looked, so hopefully it's holding up. I uh, I think it uh, I think it just did if i'm not mistaken yes it's final actually so you can you can speak with certainty there we go swanson preserved the the save there we go you got your swanson shares in you got you you going after swanson for some some saves or what uh i i i I, if he was available i probably would i have jordan hicks actually in a bunch of places um so i'm kind of I'm just holding on to him right now. I saw he pitched today because when I put he on got the, the whole spot, he got yeah, the, the game feed. Is very apropos. Yes. Yeah. He had the 102 mile an hour fastball or whatever today. Ooh. So that's good. But speaking Ooh. of Jordan Hicks, who was traded, I don't know if oh, you heard Jeff, really? but there was there was a trade deadline in the in MLB this this week, and a number of players changed teams. This was a tremendous segue. Perfect work. <laughs> like, great, great work, Dylan. <laughs> I'm becoming a professional. Talk today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've seen, I don't know if it was like, it wasn't Juan Soto, right? It wasn't like the greatest trade deadline of all time. But there were some fireworks. I thought deadline day was, uh, for my purposes, well-paced. I felt as though we sort of stayed on track with each of the trades. We were able to write up the trades that we needed to. So, um Big names, though, that moved. Three big pitchers here. A lot of big prospects. We'll talk about those a little later. Initial reaction, though, to the Max Scherzer trade from the Mets to the Texas Rangers. They also acquired Jordan Montgomery. 
in a separate deal. Um, in terms of what the Rangers send back, Louis Angel Acuna, and is there a secondary piece that I'm forgetting as well? I don't think so. I think there was there was money coming with the Mets. Okay, exactly. So there you go. So Acuna now a Met. Probably a better opportunity for him. He's not going to play shortstop, but in terms of playing second base in the big leagues, he is a lot less landlocked by contracts there than he was in Texas. Though he was actually playing some center field late. I think that was just so they could potentially get him into games if they needed to. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Acuna's on the 40-man roster um, and therefore could be up in the big leagues, which I don't know how soon that happens because they did assign him, if I'm not mistaken, to A Binghamton, which means they could get some late-season looks on him, Dylan. Um, what are your thoughts, though? What are your initial reactions with this this particular trade as I yeah, wanted to double-check that Acuna was, in fact, on the 40-man, and he is? Uh, I, I like it in general for, 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 for Max Scherzer. I think he wanted to go to a winner and then I think he was disgruntled by the Mets and I don't know, it seems like there's some reports of how he's like selling out what, uh, the private conversations were about what the Mets plans are for 2024, 2025. So to say stuff like that, it's kind of burning bridges. So my take is that he's he's not happy i like that texas is buying there they've invested a lot of money in Semyon and seager and degrom and all that and uh they're doing well this year and they want to continue to do well even though they lost to grom and eovaldi's on the il so trading for sure is a training for montgomery i like that i like teams trying to win i like teams giving up their prospects um in order to do so um i think it's good for the game shifting balances of power and and shifting like windows of competition i think that's always good um i kind of think it's a lateral move i think projections hurt scherzer a bit they ding him a bit for going to the al west um compared to playing in the nl east but you know max scherzer if he's max scherzer he's going to you know transcend uh you know park factors and stuff and just be a great pitcher top 10 pitcher hopefully um like he usually is bit of a down year for him, but I do like it. I like Texas going for it. Um, I like the Mets just, you know, they, they've, they went for it this year, biggest uh, salary team salary in history or whatever. And then they realize it's not for them. And so they're selling. And then I hope they're going to retool in 2024 or in 2025 with some big free agent signings as well. So I, I like the, uh, you know, they're not doubling down or being stubborn. They're like reading the the tea leaves and, and and adjusting appropriately so because they've completely we're going to get to it obviously later they've completely like revamped their farm system as well so anyway what are your thoughts i talked a lot there no um yeah i agree i I think my big takeaway is as far as texas you lose two guys at the front of your rotation that are pretty damn good and jacob Degrom and nate eovaldi we don't know how long eovaldi is going to be out i hope it's not going to be as long as Degrom because that's going to be quite a while um but you lose you know, arguably two of the top five pitchers in the American League. Eovaldi was awesome, you know, and especially from good from a fantasy perspective, great from a real life perspective. Um, up until the injury, they go get Jordan Montgomery, and they go get Max Scherzer. And, you know, I don't know if Verlander was never an option, didn't want to go there. There was always the Houston thing that was been in conversation. Um 
I think they did as well as they could do. And it showed a commitment to, yes, we're going to make the moves that we have to make in order to, you know, follow through with, with this, this sort of dream, this program that we've built there in Texas. And they went out and they signed a bunch of top-notch free agents over the last couple of years. They have been bad and drafted pretty well, signed some pretty good international players, made some trades. And frankly, they have a pretty good system. And they've been able to bring a couple guys up, like Josh Young, whoever, up from their minor league system and have them you know, take on immediate roles and, and be able to provide impact. And they're now able to sell some of these, you know, secondary pieces that for another organization would maybe be a number one, number two prospect and a guy that you were hoping to potentially, you know, have fill a full-time role for five or six years while he's under team control. And they can just trade a guy like that. And it really doesn't hurt their projection for the next three to five years either. You know, that the program is still there. They still have other guys that could play that position, right? Whether it's second base or center field. So I just think it's a testament to their commitment to this. And they've managed to sort of build the foundation pretty well and then really fill in with some, you know, premium materials around that foundation. If you want to go with this house analogy that I'm <laughs> swimming in. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I just like what the I like the aggressiveness by the Rangers. Even if Scherzer is okay, Max Scherzer, okay, Max Scherzer, that's reasonable for them to go out and get that and have those innings because he's capable. And I think we know this in a in a five game or seven game series, three game series, whatever they do, he's capable of taking the ball in a big moment and getting you, you know, fifteen to eighteen outs, right? And that's a difference, man. Being able to get somebody that can give you quality innings, you know, in a big moment and not crap their pants um, provides value. From a fantasy perspective, I don't know. I mean, he's on a better team now. He might get more opportunities to win games. <laughs> <laughs> Your defense might be better behind him. I don't know. Like, you know, it, there's sort of all that additional benefit. Maybe he's more motivated. Maybe he doesn't like New York. You know, he can live out in a ranch in Texas and scream into the abyss or whatever he needs to do. <laughs> get into Mad Max <laughs> mindset. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that deal a lot. Um, what were your thoughts in terms of uh, the Mets returns across, you know, these different trades? We saw Gilbert, we saw Clifford. We'll save our conversation for later about those two. But just from an overall perspective, did you like the prospects that they acquired? Do you think they did well? Do you think they revamped the system a little bit? I think they definitely revamped the system. I think uh, Acuna, Gilbert, Clifford—you know—they're all top one hundred types. They—they've they've shown already, like by uh, promoting Francisco Alvarez, they're willing to give rookies a shot. Brett Beatty has been up and down. Ronnie Mauricio is probably on the cusp. Um, so I like that they're—you know—they've got the young. The, the focus on the young and getting them getting playing time. And then we also know they're going to, they're going to splurge in free agency. So I, I like, I think being a Mets fan, I, I know it must be very difficult this year. Uh, you had such high hopes, but I think it, it's going to be fun. The next fun couple of years uh, 
with Cohen at the as the owner. He's, he's willing to spend, and I think his meddling in in the day to day doesn't seem to be uh, negative the way it's been in the past for some you know baseball owners who've stuck their fingers into it. Um, I I. <laughs> I, I like I like that they they've retooled the, the the minor league system. I like they're paying down money to, to in order to get these. They're buying prospects, which I always think is kind of a, an interesting way and something I probably would do if I was a general manager. Um, I do think there's there is an inefficiency maybe in the market of like what total value a prospect can give. Um, and so if you have someone on an expiring contract or in a year expiring, you know pay it down and and buy a prospect and gain like, you know, surplus millions of dollars, hopefully. Um, and then you're, you're kind of also aligning your window by getting a bunch of prospects all at kind of the same, at the same uh, development stage that so they're all kind of peaking at the, at the same time. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like what the Mets are doing. I, I like what Texas is doing. I like, I like when teams kind of, you know, trade in their best interest and are willing to be aggressive doing so and, and willing to, you know, weather maybe bad press for doing it. But uh, in, the, in the long run, it being a good thing, I think that's good. Yeah, and I, and I don't think it's an unwillingness to spend or invest in the team. I think they tried to build it. They 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 see their window, and what is your opportunity? This is this is relevant to fantasy, and I was thinking about this today too. But it's funny. I'll have conversations with people in front offices that you know aren't just a scout that have front office jobs, whatever the title might be, and they don't think about their team and the moves that they make any differently than a lot of fantasy managers think about their teams and even how they discuss their teams, right. And the players that they, that they have, or, or, you know, have access to acquire, et cetera. Um, it's not that different. That is, there is, there are many parallels between those two mindsets. And I think that when you are in a dynasty league, you have opportunities to buy, to build now or to you know compete and you have other opportunities to sell and buy young players because that's where the that's where it is i have three really valuable major leaguers here and i can acquire nine to ten prospects and pretty good ones that i know these guys i have a they're upper minors guys they're high value guys they're guys that i can either flip with other prospects for an upgrade or the players i want to hold on to that i think will be major leaguers and i can either put them into my roster or trade them away, whatever I want to do. Um, but you just have to know when to do it. And like recently in my 30 team league, I'm trying to buy, I want to win. You know, I'm in probably the third best team overall out of 30 teams. The top two teams have been up there for years. I'm going out and I'm, I'm I traded away seven prospects to acquire Cody Bellinger and Andrew Abbott. A lot of them were like lower level guys that they say the headliners were Sebastian Walcott and chase hampton you know but i kind of feel like i can go and find more of those prospects these are guys that i picked up off the waiver wire or drafted in the fypd after round three you know um i kind of feel like i can go and find those guys so it's kind of like all right it's time to win dump them i'm gonna have an fypd in the off season <laughs> and i'll have more picks if i keep less prospects so i can go and find the whole new batch and i'll wait for those guys to build up value and I'll trade them out for the next bunch of, you know, and I, and you can get, I got, I got two younger minor leaguers. Like that one's just not that old, you know? So I don't know. That's the lesson that I, I kind of take away from it. So I think it is good on the, the Mets. And I think it's just a well-run business, right? I mean, 
not that I'm trying to fawn over businessmen or anything, but I, but I think it's the right, it's what the job is and they're doing the job, you know? Um, same with Verlander, you know, they make the Verlander deal. Let's talk about this now. It's relevant. I thought this was a steal. I thought they got two pretty damn good prospects. One of which I feel like I've fallen in love with the last few months. And was almost at a point where, like, I was thinking of ranking him ahead of the other prospect. That would be Ryan Clifford <laughs> over Drew Gilbert. I like Clifford's profile more. I think Gilbert is a great all-around player with a flaw. And I talked about it in the trade write-up. He doesn't catch his best contact out in front. Okay? Everything's back here. So he lets the ball travel, which is great from a contact and an approach perspective. And he can shoot stuff the other way. But it's really hard if you want to hit 25 home runs. You want to hit 40 doubles, right? So I think it's just one of his limiting factors right now. And we didn't really see that play out until he was against better pitching in double A. Um, Clifford, on the other hand, man, this guy's got like, I said it to Matt Eddy today. When I looked at data, like my big three, contact stuff you know approach chase rates and then power it's like him he's a colt keith like colt keith was a guy last year who stuck out because of that overall skill set and man like there's some eerie like him eerie you know eerie similarities and clifford's an outfielder like you know could he tumble down the defensive spectrum and they both end up at first base sure I think he's got more of a chance to play a position, but I mean, Dylan, you've seen the data too. Like it's bat to ball skills. It's low chase rate. And it's like plus juice. Like it's legit. Yeah. I, I, I kind of convert the, the stat cast data into like a, on the WRC plus scales, so like 100 is average sort of by age, by level overall. And I have Clifford at 131. So, you know, 31% <laughs> above average um, where the maximum is actually 150. Um, it's kind of a confusing scale, but uh, oh, cool. the, the point is 100 is average and 131 is, is very good. And he's still, uh, I guess he just turned 20, just turned 22 days ago. I was going to say, or two yeah. days ago, two weeks ago, I was going to yeah. say he's still 19. Like, so, you know, when you, when you have, you know, exit velocity, 90% exit velocity, like one standard deviation above average, you have contact. That's basically one standard deviation above average. You have barrel rights. It's basically one standard deviation above average. And you're only 19 slash 20. Um, that portends good future success. So yeah, I like Clifford. I mean, Robuscott has liked Clifford bet more than Gilbert basically all season, despite the pedigree, because Robuscott doesn't know when they were drafted, etc. I should um, make Robo my master too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, I do like Clifford. I do. I, I had a point I was going to say when you're when you're talking about Clifford and and Gilbert there. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, 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 it was about fantasy. Being a fantasy owner versus a real-life front office, do you think that since Verlander didn't sign back with Houston, and I'm sure that was a letdown to some fans in Houston, that you know there's a little bit of an extra incentive to kind of get him back, and so maybe you'd overpay a bit because you'll kind of like appease the fan base more. He's returning home. He's on the World Series team. Blah blah blah. And so you would pay a bit more than uh, 
you otherwise would? Do you think like the, the political element of it or like the, the public relations thing plays a, a huge role um, in front offices? Not to burn anybody. I'm just going to, I'll say what I know about it, covering the Astro system. I think that was a very much ownership driven deal. Um, I don't think that it was um, nearly as popular within the front office. I think that it was a deal that ownership said, hey, we've lost a couple of starters here. We need to go and get one. You know, we're starting a mix of uh, you know, Ron L. Garcia, right? Uh, or uh, Brandon Belak. Brandon Belak. I was trying to think of the other guy who graduated. And it's like, we're starting these guys. We can go and get Justin Verlander and we're the Houston Astros and we're going to try to win. I think that's what it was about. It certainly flies into the face of their. Um, very practical sort of sustainable model that they've built and how they've operated over a range of GMs right now. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think Crane, frankly, right. wanted, wanted Verlander back and they should have just offered him a bag. They could have both of these guys <laughs> and Verlander already. Just pay him more money. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how does that leave the uh, the Astros farm system now? I guess who, who's the number one prospect left? Ooh, um, I think it's probably Jacob Melton. Myself, good. I uh, I like the power speed combination. The fact that he can play all three outfield spots, he gets on base. The strikeout rate isn't bad. Underlying data is pretty good. Um, He's the kind of player I like. I mean, it doesn't look like eye test wise. It's very awkward. He's going to, I said this in the last podcast I did, uh, the hot sheet podcast with Josh. Like it's, it, there's some Hunter Pence, like gangly man bird type of awkwardness there. Um, but it works and he's a good athlete and there's power and all that sort of stuff. I think his force place data was pretty good too. Um, I think the other guys in contention are Dezenzo, I guess Bryce Matthews, though we'll see how that goes. Um, We've been high in Desenzo all season. I know I've been sort of beating the drum on this guy. Um, and the industry has started to catch up a little bit. Um, some people are higher on him now than I am, which I'm great with. Um, but, you know, it's really silly impact. We haven't even seen him get to it yet. They made some adjustments to his swing. And it's worked. And, you know, he's making more contact than he did in college. And he's got great approach. And he's got all this raw power. But, you know, I don't know what his position is. Like, He's kind of like an older, like less refined version of like Ryan Clifford. Like, <laughs> I don't really know where he's going to play. It's not a third baseman. I don't think he's going to play second. He probably ends up at first. And we just got to hope that, you know, he hits enough to be a legitimate first baseman. And maybe he does. Um, but he's got to do a little bit more, I think, in double in, uh, A. The other guy I would li- I like a lot is Joey Laprofito. Um, I think Laprofito is one of the more underrated prospects, but I have no idea how to rank him. You know, I, I like the top of the Astro system, frankly, um, a lot. And I think, like, it, you got this proximity to teams that you work with and, like, you cover year-round. It's like them and, like, the Blue Jays. Like, I just have sort of a level of familiarity um, that's maybe greater than, you know, maybe I am with other teams, right? 
somebody else who's a mid-tier back third of the, <laughs> the league in terms of prospect depth. But, you know, I've had fun covering this one and, you know, I feel like I know it pretty well. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's kind of a battle there. I think that it's probably going to end up being um, just based on notes and everything I've gotten. It's going to be, it's going to end up being Melton's one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I like uh, Lopperfito myself, too. He, uh... Yeah. He's doing pretty well in Robo Scout. There's power there too. Like Lopperfield's yep. got power. He runs a little bit. He's got great approach. He gets on base. You know all that stuff, and he can play a few positions. Like he's not positionless. It's more like I don't know if he's a second baseman or a center fielder. <laughs> like, you know, um, I think that speaks volumes about him. So yeah, it's it, it's about how I said that Clifford was a 131 on my my little Statcast metric. I got Jacob Melton 136. Zach DeZenzo, 135, and Joey Loperfito, 136. So, I mean, they're, wow. hitting the, they're hitting the metrics I'd like to see in StatCast, those Astros. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> like they're all right within the same range. You know? Yeah. So, I guess, I guess having them all right within the same range <laughs> rankings made a lot of sense. But, and then, like I said, I just, I, jury's out on Bryce Matthews. I just haven't seen him. Haven't gotten feedback on him yet. He's probably going to get slotted in um, based on where Carlos has his grades. So simple stuff here, you know. Um, next deal. Let's talk, let's talk about the Jack Flaherty deal because I thought this was fun. Orioles going to get an arm. He had a good month. I know that the fastball velocity has waned, and a lot of stuff is based on his fastball velocity. He pitched really well last month. He was throwing the curveball and the slider more. That was working for him. 
I'm not going to get into the velocity conversation because it is what it is. Um, and it's already been covered well. The story here for me is they couldn't get Scherzer, they couldn't get Verlander, they couldn't get Jordan Montgomery. Okay. Could they have made those deals? I think so. They didn't have to give up a whole lot, and they still have an opportunity to go and trade for a bigger piece in the offseason if needed. They added a guy that can throw some innings. That's kind of where I'm at with it, right? Like, I would have liked to have seen them make a bigger, splashier move. Um, but they're just committed to that sustainable model. This is a time where maybe you can complain that they should have gone out and done something bigger, right? Um, they have enough parts where they didn't kill the future or even hurt their depth that much if they traded away a couple more players. And they traded away an interesting player in Zach Showalter, really unique fastball, not great command, not great secondaries, but he's really interesting. I mean, there's up big upside there. Um, another guy in Cesar Prieto, who is like the opposite, he kind of is not that flashy, great hit tool, awesome bat to ball skills. You know, he's going to hit for average probably everywhere he is. Not a lot of impact, not a lot of walks, not a lot of defensive value. Fine. And then Drew Rome, who I just don't think Rome was ever going to be up and starting and was probably redundant for them. But a guy with a ton of hop on his fastball is a left-hander, um, mixes a sink. Excuse me, not, no, no. Mixes a sinker um, with a four-seamer. Four-seamer doesn't have that much hop. And a splitter. Um, that's pretty dirty in a sweeper, but he's a lefty with a splitter. Um, and he's got unique stuff. You know, the fact that he is uh, 90 to 92, 93, and still is effective with his fastball, uh, regardless of his AAA ERA. AAA numbers are all eyewash, I swear to God. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's an interesting get, but it's not like it hurts their system. It doesn't. Uh, these guys, I think, were ranked 15, 16, and 17, or 14, 15, and 17 in the Orioles system. So it doesn't impact them at all. I would have liked to see them go out and get somebody. Even if it was Jordan Montgomery, I would have been great with that. Frankly, right? Um, Dylan Cease, that type of thing? I don't think they were going to get Cease. I just think the asking price is probably pretty high. And I can see if like they're asking for something like we need Grayson or what, you know, Jackson holiday. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. You know? Um, okay. I haven't heard any reports like that, but it's reasonable to think that might've been what the white Sox ask was for, for cease. Who's a different animal than Giolito. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's another one. And I don't know if he only wanted to go back to LA, if it was just, you know, Giolito would have been a decent get for them. That's another guy who could have come in, given them some innings. But, you know, I, I don't think they had to go out and get Dylan Cease, I guess is what I'm saying. Like they could have traded prospects. They could have made a deal like like the, the Verlander deal. They could have made the Scherzer deal. They could have sent the prospect that was as valuable as Louis. They could have sent Joey Ortiz. Who's probably, mm -hmm. I would say, value-wise, pretty similar. And Ortiz is definitely a defender. Like, he's definitely going to play shortstop in the major leagues, you know. Um, they could have made a move like that. It's, you know, but I also, like, 
I feel like some people are like lamenting it and I'm more like, well, they're sticking to their model. Their window is long. There'll be another off season, another trade deadline where they can go make a big move. And they're playing. I feel like the Orioles the last two years just feel like they've been playing with house money where they're like, we're a year ahead of where we thought we would be for, with this rebuild. And, you know, our competitive window is longer now because we have two potential, you know, generations of players. And I wouldn't be shocked if they go and trade veterans this offseason. You know, mm-hmm. they go and trade Santander or like, you know, whoever. I have to look at what their contract situations are. Austin Hayes. You know, I think they'll keep Mullins, but it, it wouldn't shock me if they got a big package for Mullins. They went and did that. I mean, there's a lot of guys that could go and trade the, this this offseason just immediately replace them. So it's interesting to see where they go. If I was an Orioles fan, I can understand being upset. But um, what are your thoughts on Flaherty? Because I don't know if his – I don't think his fantasy value is impacted one way or another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a tough one to to judge. I think, like – if he's healthy, I think he's going to be, you know, excellent. But it's like, is he healthy? Like the shoulder woes he's had, his velo's been kind of volatile. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, as an O's fan, yeah, I think you kind of put it pretty well. Like at, at first blush, you kind of like, I wish they, you know, made a big splash. We have so much prospect capital. Let's go for it. This is like we're first place in the AL East. Let's just do it. Um, it's not going to hurt the major league club and not going to hurt the future much because we have so much young talent. Um, but then also it's like, well, I mean, they kind of know what they're doing in the front office. Like they've put themselves in this position where they are first place in the AL East and have all this, you know, the number one prospect in baseball waiting and like he's the third year in a row. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like you kind of have to trust their process that they're doing because they seem to know what they're doing. So, um, I'm curious to see how he does um, as a Jays fan. You know, obviously I don't want him to be too successful and I don't want the O's strategy and tactics to pay off too much, but uh, I am curious to see how it goes. Love it. That's, uh, that's kind of how I feel. So I agree with you. Um, as a Jays fan, we sort of wrap up here with the last couple of deals. Paul Dion, what's your reaction there? You worried about Bo's health? Uh, how do you know he fits in? Because if he's healthy, you now have like 11 bats that I would say could provide average or better major league quality at bats from day to day, which is rare. Yeah, I do, t- I do take that trade as a bit of a it, it's Bobachette, <laughs> um, worries, I insurance. guess. Yeah, definitely insurance. Um, I think Rob Silver tweeted how like Santiago Espinal's WRC plus is is better than DeJong's DeJong's. Um yeah. and like the offense you're getting from DeJong is not much better. Uh or the defense you're getting is not that much better. I mean, he he, he is a solid defender. He's not as good this year or yeah, as he's getting older, he's not as, as effective. I know he's a lefty killer, so that's good, but I mean we have a lot of righty bats. I was I kept reading all the stuff how the Jays are looking for righty bat there like Tay Oscar was in the mix possibly to come yeah. back but like all their bats traditionally have been righties I know they have Belt now they have Kiermaier they have Varsho but like in in for the last seven years with Bautista and Encarnacion and Josh Donaldson it was always righty heavy 
And it's still righty heavy with Springer and Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero, Matt Chapman. Um, I don't know if they need another righty bat. Um, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's like lefties they're I, seeing. I think it's the defense. Like, yeah, dude, I mean, he's still like a top five to 10 defender at shortstop in the league, like in baseball. Is he? I, I didn't look at the. Yeah, he's actually seventh. If you look at like defensive war on, on fan graphs quick, hmm. he's seventh right now. And he's right behind. He's he's got nine uh, D War. Um, he's ahead of Lindor, right in this right in the same neighborhood as Willie Adamas. And the top five are Wander Franco, Dansby Swanson, Ezekiel Tovar, Javier Baez, and Bobby Witt Jr. Which I'd say is pretty accurate. <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of these guys play shortstop for many years. I would say that those are fairly accurate ranks. He's good, man. He's a really good defender. And I think, like, he could fill in at third. He plays short. He can play some second base. Um, and he's got the arm to make throws. Like, I, I think uh, I think it's just it's a, it's just a well-rounded move in terms of, like, you got some insurance for Bichette. If you lock up a playoff spot at some point, you can rest them. You know, or you're playing well, you can give him off a game or two a week. You could take him out in late innings. You can replace whoever's at second base in late innings, third base in late innings, whatever. You're not going to replace Matt Chapman, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it gives you a lot of different options. Um, and he does hit lefties well, and he's, he's got power. That's what Espinal doesn't have. Like, yeah. the war might be better. Like, the WRC yeah. might be better, whatever it is. But – being able to have a guy you can plug in off the bench in a big spot in a playoff moment that can hit a bomb off a lefty, it's a valuable guy to have. And I think you didn't give it, you gave up nothing for him. Yeah. I mean, he was basically free and he's out of contract at the end of the season. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm fine with the move. I, I just wonder how he fits in. And I would think it would be funny if he just like went off for two months and it was like the best guy acquired at the trade <laughs> on, and he's playing a utility role for the for the blue jays or something. <laughs> it's funny like i feel like that's the best part of the trade deadline is it for all the reason and study and everything else that we try to do we spend our lives trying to figure this out and then like guys just get hot because they feel like they're in a groove for a month and a half after the trade deadline. Like Steve Pierce, <laughs> like Pierce won, like Steve Pierce was like the 2018, like was the World Series MVP or was the ALCS? I can't remember which one it was. It's been a long time. Pre-pandemic. Give me a break. But like maybe somebody like that you acquire, and you're like, thank God we got that guy. It's just like he's gone the next year and you never hear from him again. But like I don't know. I just feel like De Jong could be one of those guys, kind of. Um, last thing we'll talk about here, Paul Seawall to the Diamondbacks. I'll ask you straight up. Like, hate, or indifferent in terms of his fantasy value? I think indifferent to fantasy value. I think it's uh, – it kind of <laughs> – I've been chasing saves in a lot of my redraft leagues. I've had Scott McGuff. I've had Andrew Chafin. <laughs> I, I missed out on Kevin Ginkle. So I like that 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 chasing who is going to be saving games. Miguel Castro I had as well. Who's going to be saving games in the Diamondbacks is now put to bed. I'm very happy about that. In a couple of my teams, I have Seawold and Andres Munoz. So 
it kind of helped me out in that now I'm not splitting time in the Mariners. I have kind of the clear-cut closer, the Diamondbacks clear-cut closer, hopefully, on the Mariners. Um, so I like it. I like I like the Diamondbacks trading for him. I do like Seawold. He's, you know, stack-ass darling with that, you know, yeah. flat fastball from the weird slot and all that stuff. That's great. Um, weird for me that the, the Diamondbacks then traded Jafin to the Brewers. Um, like if they're trying to shore up the bullpen and then they're trading kind of one of their key pieces, um, you know, maybe Diamondback fans won't agree with me that he's a key piece in the bullpen. Um, he's been spotty, but, uh, you know, the projections still like him. Um, I think it's interesting how you're talking about, you know, DeJong maybe, is it DeJong or DeJong? I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, I thought it was DeJong. I thought it was a, a soft J, but I could be wrong. DeJong, it could be. It probably is. Um, how he could be like an unsung trade deadline hero. Like, I think like Dominic Canzone, who went back to the Mariners. Um, kind of Mar- interesting. Yeah, he's very interesting. It's kind of like the Diamondbacks have these guys. Like last year was like Cooper Hummel, who are like <laughs> performing well in the yeah. minor leagues. They're like in a weird like defensive position. <laughs> and the Cooper Mariners traded for him. <laughs> Cooper Hummel was around so long. So he was a guy like when I was writing at Razball my first year, I think in 2016, was like a data guy. I was like, well, this guy's walk great. It was, just, I, it was always funny that he popped. But anyway, continue. No, it's just the same idea that it's like Dominic Canzone, free Dominic Canzone on like Diamondbacks Twitter. And like he's doing so well in AAA and he's not getting a shot. And he came up and he was not the greatest for the Diamondbacks. And where is he going to play? Because they have so many outfielders. Yeah. Uh, and then DePoto and Mariners trades for him, just like he traded for Hummel, just like he trades for, you know, like these Abraham Toro types who have like good, you know, high walk rates, low strikeout rates, good contact. And yeah. then like, it seems like by the aging curves and the major league equivalencies that they'll, they'll be excellent on the uh, like excellent producers in the majors. And they never quite, never quite reach it. So I think Canzone started for like the fourth straight game for the Mariners or something. Is that right? Um, so, you know, maybe he's going to get some run. Maybe he's going to get, you know, do something for these, uh, for the Mariners or guys who've redrafted, uh, redraft. sometimes guys just need to get like 400, 500 at bats and then like it clicks. Yeah. You can be bad for like a thousand at bats and then you need to like click. You know, guys are bad for 300 innings and it clicks. Right. I, yeah. I feel like that happens so frequently. Like there's just so few guys who are immediately like, this is who I am. And you're gonna love me. Like that does not happen. Yeah. Well, there you go, Dylan. Forty minutes in the trade deadline. Who knew? Boom. <laughs> and we didn't go. even talk about fam. We didn't even talk about Josh Bell or Jake Berger. Did you have? Did you have any surprises from the trade deadline? Guys that weren't traded, like we kind of mentioned, Tay Oscar, Dylan Cease. Uh, were there any things that you, you expected to happen? Verdugo, and I thought Verdugo was gonna get moved. Okay. I thought Cease would get moved. Mm-hmm. I hoped he would. Um, I think that's it, right? Like once the Otani bomb dropped days before, it was like, all right, it's not going to be that crazy. You know, it's not going to be like last year crazy. We were like, they traded so. You know, like it's not going to be one of those. So I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I don't think there was anybody that like I was like I tongue in the floor shocked yeah this guy didn't get moved i thought cease might get moved but not really yeah i don't think anything really really shocked me 
I, I kept waiting for like the big one, like Snell or Hater or something was going to move, be moved. Soto or, or anything yeah. that was just like shock Arenado. And then it just like, uh, they're actually not going to, they were actually speaking the truth yeah. when they said they weren't going to move them. So angels and Padres got back in the race and it changed everything. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, not a letdown, but I was, I just wanted that Bob shell and it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, all right. I'm going to wrap this sucker up and send it out to the people. What do you say? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. For Dylan, I'm Jeff. This is the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. Cheers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.